Welcome to Rising Tide, a podcast for career-driven women to find inspiration, find courage, and find their voice. On the surface, Leslie Douglas was the stereotype of a millennial job hopper. Despite having a successful start to her career as an outside sales rep and top performer, Leslie started receiving questions about her career choice, which ultimately caused her to question herself. Over the next four years, Leslie would chase this answer, working for five companies, living in three cities, and trying out sales in a variety of shapes and sizes. While each and every experience drove more money, it left her frustrated, feeling like she was simply bouncing from one thing to the next, encountering the same issues again and again. And then Leslie made a change in pursuit of answers that would forever alter how she approached her life and career. Now it's deeper than that. It's like, do I even like being a people manager? Is that something that I want to continue doing? I don't know. I feel like I'm good at it, but then some days I don't. So beyond my attainment, beyond my success or whatever you define success as, how does it make me feel and where am I finding joy in my day? Today, Leslie Douglas is the Director of Sales Training at JB Sales. She is a featured thought leader at Sales Assembly and is the founder of Talking with Leslie, where she delivers actionable advice and powerful motivation in her talks to help individuals start a journey towards exceeding their goals and finding purpose in their work. On this episode of Rising Tide, Leslie shares the learnings from her early years in her career like organizing your calendar based on where you derive energy, looking inward for answers rather than seeking them in external sources, gaining the necessary insights to determine a mutual fit when interviewing, and many more. Enjoy getting to know Leslie Douglas. Welcome to Rising Tide, Leslie. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here, Margaret. I just love every time we talk. So me too. Me too. I gotta admit this might sound a little creepy, but I just love your voice. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. It's such a soothing, but strong voice. I don't know. That's such a weird thing. And I don't think I've ever said that to somebody, but I just, really I hear, it. I hear it a lot. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> it's my, it's my radio voice, right? <laughs> <laughs> a face built for radio, Margaret. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I am, I'm so excited to have you on. And we come from similar backgrounds in that we are people who have come up through the ranks in software sales. Yes. Yes, and indeed. I, and I love it because your story has really kind of caught my attention in that I'm excited to hear more about how you stuck with sales, because in my experience as a sales leader, I saw so many women along the way that abandoned the career. I shouldn't say abandoned. They left the career because they didn't see themselves in the roles mm -hmm. and, or they had sales leaders who misunderstood them. And this is something that you've shared pieces of, and I'm excited to explore more because I do, I think there's something to be said for other people's opinions don't necessarily have to determine where you are meant to be. Here, 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 here. Okay. So you're the director of sales training for JB sales. And what's a day in the life like for you? Oh man, a day in the life. So part of the excitement is I'm not only training on prospecting and closing and, and talking with reps on a day-to-day -day basis about tactics on how to do that, but I also have my own book of business. So I still get to be a practicing account executive. So I am looking at a list of prospects and I am calling them and emailing them and showing up in their LinkedIn DMs <laughs> and, you know, all of the things that I loved as being a sales rep, but now I'm doing it just in a slightly different way. So it's a balance between mm. selling prospecting, but then also delivering on training. So I get to practice what I preach, which I think is so fun and so unique. Yes. Yes. Well, and you're kind of like a, a mini entrepreneur underneath the umbrella yeah. of JP sales, because you know, you're, you're out there generating pipeline that you can, that you're ultimately going to deliver a service to. Okay. So instinctively my mind goes to, 
I'm sure there, if you were to think about it, there's never going to be enough hours in the day. How are you approaching this role so that you are able to kind of balance these two very important functions, but two things that, you know, can be in and of themselves very demanding? It's funny that you bring this up because at my six month mark, I've been with the company for a year and a half. And at my six month mark, I looked at John and I said, I have always been very aware of my time management skills. And I feel like that's a strong suit of mine. And I have no idea where my head's at with this right now, because it (laughs) is, it was, it was a big shift. And I will say that I am doing better now, but at the beginning it was a rough go of trying to figure out what is the balance? How do I manage that calendar blocking a million Mm -hmm. percent? And we, we talk about that. I feel like that's such a fluffy term, but actually sticking to the blocks on my calendar has proven to be crucial for my success because I'll put it on there Mm -hmm. and then you'll get to a point where you're like, okay, well, I would rather do something different with that time. And no, you got to make time for it. And I think that if you're attaching it to other outcomes, it got easier for me. So say more about that. Can you give us an example? Oh yeah, for sure. So you know how typical sales rep, if you're listening and you're in sales, I feel like this is such a common shared experience where we have these big ups and downs with our months because it's like, I prospect a lot and I fill the pipeline and then I'm working all those deals and I'm not prospecting because I'm so busy and I have a lot going on. And then I close all these deals and my pipeline's empty. And now it's like this big roller coaster, tumultuous, you know, emotional <laughs> issue that I don't have anything there. And I think once you feel that experience a few times, then you're like, okay, I can understand that my revenue generating activities need to be a priority. And if like one step further, I take this back to fourth grade, I had a teacher, Mr. Piasecki. And he was my math teacher. And I always left my math homework for last. You know, it's like you stack rank your homework whenever you're in fourth (laughs) grade. And I'm like, my least favorite is going last. (laughs) But thinking about it at work in terms of stack ranking my calendar, not just on what's important in terms of generating revenue, Mm -hmm. but also like, where do I find energy and what brings me joy? How can I then play Tetris? So that my calendar isn't just intense, all revenue generating or things that are less fun, not to say that prospecting isn't fun, but sometimes it's not fun, right? There are pieces of it that aren't, Ooh, can't wait. So if I can find something where I'm talking, if I have a meeting, I'll immediately jump in afterwards because I know I'm on this like emotional you know, I've got the excitement flowing and it's my endorphins are kicking. So let me go prospect while I'm like super happy. (laughs) Yes. Um, Calendar Tetris. I just connected a dot. That's really fascinating. That did not connect until I listened to you articulate all of that, which is, you know, again, if you're listening and you're not in sales, here's how I want you to hear what she just said. When she's talking about all this prospecting, think about that of like you going really hard on something. And then you start to see success, which is great. And then you crash and you're exhausted and you're depleted. And you knew it when it was happening, you knew you'd put too much on your calendar, or you knew you'd take it on too much, or you knew that you were burning the candle at both ends, but you couldn't help yourself. And then now you're burnt out. And to your point, it was tumultuous. It's unsettling. Psychologically, you start to play games with yourself and question yourself because at least in sales, the numbers go down. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times in sales organizations, you live and die on a month to month basis on those numbers. And so if you're listening to that, I think what's so interesting is it's a very similar pattern or behavior of you know, when we put ourselves in this like cyclical thing, where like, we, we get re-energized and rested, we go hard, you know, we are able to do it for a while, sustain it. And then we crash. And I love hearing you talk about how you are managing that and creating more of a consistent, sustainable schedule that of course, I'm sure there's peaks and valleys that come, oh. but you know, you're more intentional about knowing they're coming 
because I love this idea of looking at your schedule and thinking about what do I drive energy from? What brings me joy? These are very foundational things as human beings that I find I even personally didn't do a very good job of understanding and investing in until this past year. So I really, I love that that's how you approach it for engineering your calendar. And I think there's just such tremendous value listening to that as far as like simply saying like, how might I think about my calendar in the context of energy givers and energy takers? Mm. And maybe even the energy takers, like what are things maybe I can take off of my plate that I actually don't need to do, or I can delegate to somebody else, or maybe that's not important this month or this week. So that's, you just made my mind kind of spark in a million directions, but I love that. And now I understand again, even more why I was so excited for this conversation. I have to like add one little pro tip to my negative energy, like the one, not negative Ooh, energy, yes. but the energy takers. Yeah. I had them colored. I feel like color plays such an important part in just our day-to-day lives more so than we realize. And you think about McDonald's and restaurants being red and it's there to create hunger. Right. And you have, have you seen these, um, there's articles on all these different colors on how they affect your purchasing behaviors or your willingness to stay somewhere or get out fast or whatever it is. And I think that I had a bunch of these energy takers in colors that were red and red. Typically you see a red mark on a paper and you're like, oh, I did something bad, right? Green is good. So switching the colors to joy, bringing colors <laughs> of the tasks that might be an energy taker, then I feel like you see your calendar and you're more excited. So yeah. it's like prospecting is going to be pink now, or it's going to be teal blue, or, <laughs> you know, you got to just play a little mind game with myself. I feel like that's, um, another hot tip yes. changed for me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Cause it's like in that scenario, it's like, if it's something that is part of what you need to do, and it's a necessary part of doing the things you love to do, then how can you make them more enjoyable? Right. Yeah. Color on your calendar. I love that. Okay. So here's what I think is really interesting. This was not the career path originally. Mm -mm, No, Mm -mm, not even close. Okay. So originally you're at San Diego state and you have visions of going into the hospitality industry. Yes. I had a big vision of being a wedding and event coordinator mm-hmm. to the Royals. I mean, if we were going to get really specific, <laughs> sure. The sky was just the beginning. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Only Royal weddings. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. So where did that, where did that lover desire to pursue that come from? So growing up, my mom is the ultimate event planner. She planned every fundraiser for, I mean, any charity that would come across her desk, she was planning their fundraiser. She hosted parties at our house. I mean, even just on a random Tuesday, she's like, oh, your friends are coming over. Well, let's give it a theme pancakes. Oh, well, how about everything starts with P? So now like all of a sudden we have this party that's pancakes and pixie sticks. And I mean, she was everything she touched it still is everything she touches is magic. Mm. And I just saw her thrive and I grew up around that. And as a part of that, so I went to all the setups and Mm. I fell in love with the organization. I want a spreadsheet. I want to plan this out. I like the details. I like that. There's a little bit of pressure, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're working Mm -hmm. against a clock and actually met some great people who were in the wedding space and had a phenomenal mentor in the space. And so I turned that into, I was like, oh, you can major in wedding and event planning. Sign me up. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I mean, it's interesting too, because now as you're describing some of those behaviors, it makes some sense how you ended up in sales with being organized, like being comfortable and almost enjoying a little bit of pressure, you know, like the devils in the details, like these are all things that are quite valuable in the sales. Oh, yeah. role. So when did things change then? What took you off the path? Yeah, I, um, I worked for it kind of random. I worked for a wedding DJ and a <laughs> wedding coordinator, and I was piecing together all these different pieces of events and doing 
I was trying to get this well-rounded view of what the industry looked like. Mm -hmm. And I was working Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights and evenings. And sometimes, I mean, especially for coordinating gigs, it's an entire day, if not more. And I was missing out on not just, I mean, my friends at that point in college, right. But also family events, like my niece and nephew's birthdays and just things that I wished I was there for. And I started thinking about, okay, well, maybe I can pivot and turn this into corporate events. And I started looking into that Mm. and I was actually at a conference. (laughs) I had just turned 21 and I had never ordered a drink in my life. And I was like, well, I have to go order a drink on my birthday. (laughs) So I sit down at the bar and I ask the girl next to me, what she's drinking because I've never ordered a drink and we start (laughs) chatting and she's like, well, come interview with me. I'm interviewing tomorrow. And I was like, for what? (laughs) I didn't even know where this was going. And we start talking about the the job and it was a not technology, but it was still sales or eco lab selling commercial chemicals. And I was like, well, I don't live here. I was in Minnesota. I live in San Diego. She's like, that's fine. We're global. Come on. And I showed up and we hit it off. We had this great conversation and she's like, well, why don't you just start and why don't you have an internship with us and try it out? And from there I was hooked. It was not the nights and weekends. So I got more time with my family and there was a good fit there. And I got that feeling of, wow, I really like this. This is fun. And went from there. Wow. Gosh. Talk about one of those just serendipitous moments, (laughs) right? The universe amazing different okay so you started working as an intern for ecolab and then Mm -hmm. become a hospitality territory manager for them after you graduate yes so i did my internship the summer between my junior and senior year of college and ended up helping run a college program with them and doing some recruiting at different schools and got an offer for when i graduated and they held a spot for me And it was great. I was a field rep. So traditional field rep, door-to-door hotels, hospitals, all sorts of crazy. (laughs) It was all new, a whole world ahead of me to (laughs) just explore. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So it looks like you're there for about a year and then you leave. What makes you leave after a year? So it's really interesting. And I think you and I have had this conversation in the past, just talking about really our ability to listen to feedback from people. Mm -hmm. And I think later on in my life, and even now I'm still trying to hone this skill of asking for feedback from people who I would take advice from, Mm -hmm. and then letting feedback roll off of me from people who maybe there's an ulterior motive. Maybe there's some sort of other (laughs) opportunity there for them. And I, at the time there were multiple people in my life who had asked me, are you sure this is really what you want to do with the rest of your life? And it was coming at me from multiple directions, Mm -hmm. you know, personal life, leadership, someone who I had, you know, not my direct manager, but someone else in in the organization who I trusted clients of mine, like, Oh, is this something you really want to do for the rest of your life? Just kind of, and I don't know if it was more about the role that I was in, you know, I was wearing a lab coat and walking around and hooking up chemicals and, you know, I'm like one of the only women in the space. Right. So I don't know if it was more about that, but when people ask you that, especially at a young age or in a moment of weakness, I guess I shouldn't attach it to age, but I started to question myself and I was like, okay, I'm, my numbers are good, but is this something I want to do for the rest of my life? Am I happy? Am I good at this? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I'm not cut out for sales. You know, once that seed is planted, I just could not get it out of my head as you know, you hear it from one person, it's one thing, but if you hear it from different angles, 
I started to think about, okay, what else is there for me? Or is this a, a path I want to continue down? And so I think that at that point, I just started testing and I'm running these tests and I'm figuring out, is this where I fit in? <laughs> is this what's for me? Right. Is this the, the area that I belong? And I think I, looking back, it was me trying to find my footing. It's this strange mix of like, who am I? What am I good at? Where do I fit? Mm. But I really cherish some of those experiences. It took me a long time to find my voice and be able to speak my mind. Leslie right now would go back and have a much different conversation with those people than <laughs> Leslie did right then and there. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I think it's also such an important reminder to anyone who maybe interacts with somebody that's like just starting out their career of the impact that you can have. And while you may think you're asking or stating a seemingly innocent comment or question that like it can have magnitude and impact. And so exactly. And as a leader, if you say, tell me what you enjoy best about your job right now or your career right now. Think of how much different mm -hmm. that can make someone feel then. Are you sure this is what you want to do? And I'm assuming all good intent. I think that's where most people were getting or tell me what you love about your job though, would have made it a much different impact and a much different impression. Right. Right. So, so what's interesting is, so you leave after a year and this kind of launches you into over the next three, three. years working at four different companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can't see her face, but oh man, the smile <laughs> I just came across. All right. So I want to hear from you. Tell us about these three years because you're in sales roles in mm -hmm. all of them, but you know, short 10 years, anywhere from seven months to just over a year. So what's going on in these three years? I think this was a really foundational point for me of, again, that rooting and figuring out who I am, mm. but also if I am just, let's just open this up as a salesperson in the tech space, you're getting recruited all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel that call or that passion, or you're not attached to the product or you're not attached to I hate to say it, but like, if there's not a strong leader that's there, that's advocating for you or that you don't feel just driven in that role, it's very easy to look at the next shiny object. So that definitely played a part in it for me. Also, I made some huge moves regionally at that time. <laughs> so <laughs> I like decided one day to pick up and move to San Francisco. I was living in San Diego. I like just moved to San Francisco. Didn't really know anybody <laughs> just moved. And I think that's part of it too. Like not having, I was a field rep. So you don't have an office with mm -hmm. like buddies. You are just kind of a solo out in my car driving from client to client. So I felt it harder to really make that home and find connection. Then I up and moved to North Carolina. You know, it's just like, I made some really big <laughs> regional homing transitions as well. But again, I think, you know, finding what speaks to you and finding something that you feel comfortable and passionate about and excited about, obviously it would have been done on the front end, but a lot of times you can't, you don't know. You don't know until you're in it. You don't know until you're having the conversations with your team, with your clients, if this really speaks to my heart and if it's something that I feel good about selling. Mm. Let me ask so many follow-on questions. I think one of them, <laughs> let's also, <laughs> let's start with that last comment, which is, you know, looking back on it now, are there things that perhaps you would ask or do differently on the front end to maybe sniff out, you know, what would be a better fit for you now than obviously then when you were kind of learning as you were doing? Oh yeah. Great question. I love <laughs> this question. Yes. 
<laughs> I think that one of them is even though we're, I think the interview process tends mm -hmm. to be so siloed and especially someone who's new into the industry, someone who's just getting started. It's really easy to just follow the timeline that's set in front of us. Yeah. It's like, if you're a first time home buyer, you're just doing what your real estate agent and tells you to do <laughs> show up, sign this, do this. Right. And you're going along with this. If you're not experienced in interviewing or you're not experienced and you haven't had that, you're showing up and you're following along with the program. I'm going step-by-step. Step. And I think now I go outside of that. I want to have a conversation with the people doing the same role that I am. And I would encourage this when I was interviewing reps, talk to people on my team, talk to people who are working here, not even just in sales, but talk to our customer service reps. Do you want me to set up a few individuals? LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a phenomenal place to have those conversations. I still feel like transparency and managing expectations is by far one of the top things that you can do in your life. So I always let the interviewer know that I'm doing that. So it's not like they have to find out from behind the scenes, right. but just like, Hey, go talk to Margaret. She's been a rep with us for about six months and she'll tell you about her onboarding experience and how she's liking it so far. And I think if you could grab a few people not that their experience or their perception is going to be the same as you, but you can link on to some questions that you wouldn't necessarily understand from a traditional interview setting. Right. Right. But then yeah. there's like some great research available online now, right? Like RepView and all these other companies who are doing, I mean, Glassdoor, it's like 50, 50 on some of these, you, you have to weigh. <laughs> right. What you're, what you're seeing with like people who are upset leaving an organization or, you know, what somewhere in the middle, but I think there's definitely some gut checks out there to say like, okay, is this something where I can see myself excelling? I also, the biggest one for me is what are the clients saying about the software? What are they saying about the service? What's on Reddit? <laughs> is that so weird? I go on Reddit and I'm looking them up. <laughs> I Not think it, it's a really great <laughs> insight that I didn't do before. Mm. I love that. And I think that's so good. You know, I, I always try to remind I used to when I was responsible for interviews was like interviews are two ways. Yes. And I think we get better at that as we get older and we have more experience, but you know, it is, it's a, it's a two-way thing. You're, you're assessing them as much as they're assessing you to determine if it's a fit. And even if they determine that you're not a fit, I've often found that that's good. <laughs> like, it is. Better to know that now than to get in and, and be miserable. There was something else you said that I wanted to hit on and especially, I think this is very, very relevant to right now, because again, whether you're in sales or not, there is a huge talent shortage mm. and, you know, there's been tons of talk around the great resignation. There's talk around now this great renegotiation. It's very much a candidate's market. If you could, again, in reflecting on your time and experience and talking about kind of the shiny objects that would pull you away and maybe, you know, if they caught you on a bad month or a bad time and you're like, you know what, I will entertain this opportunity <laughs> and I will go there. What would you say as far as like, how do you know that it's time to go versus that it's like, this is something worth fighting for and sticking around and that this may just be a, a challenging time. Like, how do you, how do you kind of ground yourself to have, you know, confidence in the decision that you're making to either stay or go? Love this conversation. At the time I was all about base salary. And now looking back, I wish that I had had just better street smarts than that. <laughs> you know, it's not just about that number or your OTE, especially if you're in sales, that doesn't, it's just a number on a piece of paper. Right. And we don't know what that's going to look like. And, and so going further into that, and you hit the nail on the head about knowing if this is just a bad day 
and whether it's time to go or whether it's time to stay. And I feel like a lot of that comes down to really setting up with yourself what your non-negotiables are for that, you know, work experience that you want to have. And a lot of times we think about it in our personal lives, but we don't map it out for what that looks like at work. I didn't do it till way later than I care to admit. Do I feel valued? Do I feel like I'm contributing? Do I care about the product? Like, am I excited to come to work? For me, those are all things that help me decide if this is something where like, yeah, I just had a bad, I had a bad day or I had a bad week, or is it something where I need to reassess and it might be something I, once it starts consuming your thoughts though. And once you start dipping your toes in the water, it's usually a good indicator that something is missing for you. If it's just the dollar figure pulling you somewhere, then we can just call that what it is. But if you are actively thinking about what a different job would be like on a regular basis, that's usually one of those little light bulb moments where you're like, okay, that's something I need to assess and figure out why and what would fulfill that for me. Because I never did that. I was just like, oh, more money means better. (laughs) Let me go there. Right. Well, and I do think that's such a common thing, you know, common. it's like, it is, it's like this pursuit of something. And it's like, it just seems like the, sometimes the more money you get, it's like, yeah, some things get easier. But I was talking with a woman who she was an executive and, you know, kind of, again, on the outside looking and she had it made in this, she was doing amazing, but she was like, I had a full-time nanny. I never saw my kids. I traveled Mm. all the time. She had all the money, but all the money didn't mean that she had a good quality of life. It was just going towards Mm. making sure that life continued moving because she was never there. And it just, she paid Mm. other people to do the work that she was not able to do, but it's like, is that really worth it? And so for her, it wasn't, you know, but I think that's such a great, that's such a great call. And I really love too, that, you know, if somebody is recruiting you and like you said, like kind of like that nagging feeling of like, almost like the, the hope of a, of a, of something better or different doesn't mean that opportunity that they're reaching out to you for has to be the one, but it, it is right. more of like what you said of like, okay, that's bringing something up. I didn't expect to have happen. So what would I want it to look like? What, like, maybe this job isn't the one, but like, does, you know, maybe it's worth evaluating. What is it? And I think what's beautiful is depending on the size company, that job might actually exist at your company. Oh yeah. (laughs) So I think that's the other beautiful part of this. So, uh, okay. I have, this is my last thing and then I'll keep us moving, but this is such a big, I love this part of your career because I think the other piece of this is Millennials have gotten a bad rap and they've been gotten a bad rap as being job hoppers. And I'm very curious because I'm sure people listening again, it's like they, you know, some people, you know, have stopped putting certain job experience on their resume because they don't want to talk about it. Or they don't want people to draw a conclusion about them. What have you mm-hmm. found helps when you're talking about this or like, it does like it comes up, like, what do you find as a way to just kind of like, not shut it down, but make it a non-issue. Like this is just part of your journey. So how do you navigate that conversation when somebody's like, Oh, geez, (laughs) there's been a lot of jobs here in a very short span of time. What would you suggest for people who maybe have a similar looking resume? I mean, it's so interesting that it comes up in interviews, but usually not anymore, but like it did for a while. And it was something that people are going to comment on. And there's always some sort of perception. My go-to question was asking them to clarify what they meant by that. Mm. You've had a lot of jobs, you know, there that's usually what it is. Oh, I see. You've had a, a lot of jobs. You've hopped around a lot. Tell me more about that. And I'm like, Oh, why'd that stand out to you? (laughs) And then they're like, uh, well, um, I mean, we want someone who wants to stay long-term because it does, it costs the company much more to not keep you right. And it, they ultimately, they want to keep long-term employees and there's benefit to that for institutional knowledge. There's benefit for them in terms of cost. 
So I understand the need behind it from an organizational standpoint, but putting that back on them to kind of have to unpack what they're trying to get at usually changes the tone of the conversation and then allowed me to say, similar to what I said to you, I, you know, made some big regional changes in my life. I am calling this home and I'm looking for a company that I can really plant roots at and that I can turn into a career. And I'm hoping that this is the company that I can do that at. And here's why I think it is. Do you think that that aligns? And usually that is like a complete game changer. And the conversation goes a completely different direction. (laughs) Ah, God, I love that so much. (laughs) That's so great. It's so great. I love the idea of, you know, again, it's like a classic sales technique. That's so valuable of like, just clear, like clarify what they mean by that. Like, just, you know, ask the question back. I, and I think sometimes on a hard question, like you don't have to answer a question with an answer. You can answer a question with a question. <laughs> That's objection handling 101. I love Especially that. if you're looking at a sales role, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I really do think that's so freeing because it really does allow you to understand what they're, what they're really trying to understand, what mm-hmm. they're really trying to learn about you, or maybe what they're actually concerned about. And, and fun fact, I mean, there's a lot of very bad interviewers out there. So I think this is also really good mm-hmm. because maybe people aren't as good at asking the, the question behind the question. And so this is, you know, helping them do their job more effectively. I love that so much. Thank you for elaborating on that because I do think it bums me out is the only way to put it. When people experience shame around changes, rapid changes in their careers. And very often there is good reason for it or valuable lessons learned. And so I think it's so great to be able to just talk about that of like, how, how can you talk about it and not make it something that is an inhibitor in your progress forward? So, all right. So you did find your home for a while though. You did did, find a place to kind of plant roots and grow and build. And you ended up after those four roles, the next one, this company you were at for six and a half years, you came on as a, not a sales role, but a sales trainer. I did. So so what made you pivot into sales training to start out there? I think in all of this, all of this change and experimenting and trying different things and trying to find my home and my voice, I still felt this excitement Mm. in celebrating other people's wins, maybe even more so than my own. And had a unique opportunity to be a part of building out the onboarding program there. And I was so excited about this. I just, I thought that it was such an awesome opportunity. They were growing like crazy, bringing on a ton of new sales professionals. So for me, that idea of being able to for us (laughs) hundreds and hundreds, I mean, it ended up being close to 500 by the time I had finished that one role. And that was, that was over three years, 500 over over three years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just, I thank you for doing that because I just wanted to like convey the magnitude and the responsibility of that role. I mean, that is an insane, I mean, that's, it's almost every, you know, like, not that you guys, I'm sure you hired in classes, but like, you think about that. It's like a, basically a new person starting every second or third day for three years. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it was shared. We had, there were multiple people here. We were a really great team, you know, it's usually two of us at a time, but just being a part of, of impacting a larger number of people and being able to celebrate them and their success was so exciting. It was seeing light bulb moments Mm. all the time. I was able to see like okay, these are the dots that are connecting or this worked and this didn't. And let me try something new and let's approach it from a different angle. And as we acquired other organizations, I got to be a part of the rollouts for how are we going to train people on the product and go to market? And then it turned into larger and larger scale opportunities. I just felt like I got to be 
a part of the growth of this organization. It was beautiful. And eventually at some point we were bringing in a new cohort and I turned to one of the hiring managers and I was like, well, who, who are these people going to report to? (laughs) Do we have a manager? (laughs) And he's like, oh, do you want to be the manager? Uh, no. (laughs) And then that started a whole new chapter of my career there. And I ended up working really closely with them and taking on a team of sales reps and going into sales leadership. Oh my gosh. You know, I think something that you've mentioned this word a couple of times and it would behoove me to call it out in case anyone else hasn't seen the pattern yet. And I think one of the things that despite you staying in sales as kind of this category, which by the way, like that as an industry is a massive industry of all types of roles and, and where you might work and, and outside, inside physical products, software. But the other thing I've noticed and you talking has been, I love your experimentation. Mm. Like you, you spent the first, you know, decade of your career, largely testing and figuring things out and you lived in different places and you took on different roles and you worked in different types of sales positions. And it was, you know, it was just this constant, like, what works, what doesn't work? What do I like? What do I not like? What do I want to take with me? What do I not? And I just, I really want to honor that because it is not uh, as somebody who did identity foreclosure, put it up the blinders and went heads down on one path. I really admire the experimenter and I, I really hope to see more of that in the future. That is so kind. And I, I do think that there was a lot that I learned from it and I don't know if I was taking it all in the moment, Mm. right? I don't know if I appreciated it along the journey as much as I do now, but being able to look back and have experience in a fortune 500 company, (laughs) versus a mom and pop shop that I'm the only salesperson <laughs> really told me what I needed and wanted, but I, I had to go back and reflect on that. It wasn't something that necessarily in the moment, it's like this gained experience over time that I think now I can look back and say, here's my takeaway. Here's my collective. Yeah. I should have done a, I should have done a debrief after each one individually if that's where you are right now, <laughs> put it in the journal. <laughs> Second pro tip, put it in the download. Well, let me ask you that. Cause what was the turning point of like reflection where it stopped being kind of somewhat of like maybe a little bit of who you are as a person, but more so of like, it became a little bit more intentional of starting to do the reflection and starting to glean from like the things that really did kind of spark your energy, light you up and align with what you were really good at. It was actually very recent. I'd say maybe four or five years ago, Mm -hmm. I had an employee of mine who is also just the most gem, amazing, brilliant human being you've ever met. And we were having a conversation. I gave a presentation and they came up to me afterwards and said, this is what you are made to do. Mm-hmm. And I started, I, I walked away from that interaction and we spoke multiple times. I, you know, after that, but that was just like a passing comment to me. And I felt like, oh, that's an interesting thing to say. But then they came back to me multiple times if you could write yourself a dream job description, what would that be? And this is someone who (laughs) is a direct report of mine, but like seeing so much bigger and much more beyond where I was in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about, this is when I started my calendar, like what brings me joy because I was in that zone of running until I was crashing. And I had a small child at home. And so I'm, mm. I am working all day, coming home and working all night. And, you know, it's like when you get comments from your kid about the amount of time you spend on your computer or on your phone and you feel like that guilt trip about it, but then there's things that you can't get done in the work day. And it's like all these things that you're balancing. 
And so in talking to my direct supervisor, we were looking at my calendar, like what's necessary for your job and what do you like? <laughs> mm, and what's yeah. the intersection of that? And I think that's when I really started thinking about, okay, what does the next, let me reflect back first and decide which facets of career that I liked mm-hmm. before that. I mean, years before that I had decided here's the size company I want, because this is how it makes me feel. I like to feel like I have a voice at the table and I can make big changes and it's felt by the organization. So I don't want to be like a small fish in this huge pond. Like I want to be a medium fish in a medium pond or like a big fish in a small pond. Right. That's where I find joy. So like that was years before, but now it's deeper than that. It's like, what tasks do I enjoy doing? Then it was, do I even like being a people manager? Is that something that I want to continue doing? I don't know. I feel like I'm good at it, but then some days I don't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? But what does that mean? If it's not, if it's not being measured in that way, what does it mean to me? So beyond my attainment, beyond my success or whatever you define success as, how does it make me feel? And where am I finding joy in my day? Mm-hmm. Oh, I really love that so much. It's so interesting. These kind of key moments in your life where there's been these very, you know, just people like that kind you know, right. It's just so interesting how like, there's just these kind of like a comment, but it can be, have such a profound impact or kind of be this catalyst for you know, in this case, like just unpacking and really exploring in a new way of who you are and what did all these things really mean? I just think that's so neat. That Doesn't that make you, yeah, it is. And doesn't it make you wonder what things you have said to someone that was like a moment in their life that we don't even know about? Well, I will say, you know, it's so interesting. I used to work with a group that focused on getting women into sales leadership. And one of the things that was just a recurring theme that came a time and time again, and it was, I'll, I'll say it because it was specific to women. So I would imagine men may be the same, but like, I think it's far more powerful when it comes to women, there's something very powerful about telling her that you see greatness in her and be specific. Mm. And we would call it the tap. But in this case, it's like, this is what you were meant to do. And it's just, it is like this unleashing of a force. Yeah. It's so powerful because, you know, I think to your point, it's like, that has far more weight than we realize when somebody can say, you are very good at this. And I see, I see you being able to do anything you set your mind to. You are extraordinary. You are amazing. It is just, I mean, man, you cannot underestimate the power of that for women or, you know, even just the power of suggestion. You know, I had a coach one time who brought me to my knees because she said, what do you want to be? And I was like, CRO, that's my biggest ambition. She's like, why not CEO? After I got done crying, (laughs) you know, it's like, but it actually planted the seed in my head of like, why have I? thought I could only do this one thing. So anyways, I think that that's, it is, it is. It's so, it's such a great reminder. And I think taking the opportunity when it presents itself to just tell somebody you see something, maybe it's just, you radiate a great energy. Just tell yes. the person it can't yes. hurt to say something kind <laughs> and you never know what you might unlock by doing it. So true. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Tell me about this. Cause you're, so you, you're a, you're a dude solutions, which has, you're there six and a half years has gone through insane growth. You've helped onboard and train all of these sales professionals. You move into a people leadership role. And then about a year and a half ago, make the decision to, to come to JB sales, help us with the transition. What, what was the reason for, for moving back into more of a, a sales and training function? I mean, there's definitely times in your life where you just feel like this is your next chapter. And I think kind of along the same thread as my whole journey, 
the universe pulled together a crazy, unbelievable string of events. And <laughs> I was a, I was a longtime client of JB sales and had worked with them many times in the past on training with our teams internal at dude. And my mentor told me that he was specifically looking for someone to fit into this team. And he thought that I would be a great fit. And this was months after I had received that tap. I love that we're calling it the tap yeah. saying, <laughs> and, and so I had already started writing this out, mm. not specifically tied to one company or one organization, but I had started writing out what's next for me. What do I want? Where do I want to go? And what does that five-year plan look like? And I was, I feel like I've traditionally limited myself mm. in that the same way you just mentioned with the CRO CEO mm -hmm. or why not CEO, I have seen things in such a linear phase where here's the corporate ladder. You do not stray from the corporate ladder, right? And it's, you go from individual contributor to a manager, or, you know, you can, do we sidestep into another career path? So I actually started interviewing our internal executive team mm -hmm. and asking them about their changes because some of them were like, oh, I'm in product and now I'm in customer success. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, right? Or, I mean, just these big changes and finding out how did they get there? So I'm asking all these questions. And I think, again, like once you start unearthing this curiosity, you talk about, it's like the tap, then I got the tap and now it's like, oh, here we go, unleashed. Now my mind's going all these different places and seeing all these possibilities. So when this came across my desk, <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible like way to say it, but like, really it's here's a message, right? I was like, wow, this could not be a bigger sign that this is what's made for my next step. Mm. And can I just tell you, like from the very first conversation with this team, this team is incredible. You don't see all of the, you know, you see a few people in the organization, there's a group of like 17 people behind the scenes and each one is so phenomenal, so supportive, but really it's just this beautiful group of people who are all so talented and it has really up-leveled me. It has really taken me to a new step of unlocking some of this information about, okay, where are my boundaries and what do I want? And how do I define that further than just surface level? Because I think a lot of times I stayed with my attainment, my quota, how I'm, you know, presented on the outside perception of this. And now not only am I holding myself to a higher standard, but my team is so encouraging of that. It's really wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny. I don't consider myself a woo woo person. But what I'm about to say will sound very woo-woo, which, but there's like, I, I think it's like this beautiful balance of, again, I think another theme or pattern I've seen in you is like, and we haven't dug into it too much, but like putting yourself out there or in situations, you know, I think about like it, <laughs> you weren't looking for a job when you were at the conference, but just asking somebody what drink they were having, like a conversation started from there that led to this job you looking and seeing all these new people coming in and saying, who's going to manage them. Right. And it turned into you becoming a leader of people. And I think even this of you going and asking questions of the executive team and doing interviews and understanding. And, um, I think that there's, again, I just, I think it's worth calling out of the importance of kind of putting ourselves out there. And I mean, find what works for you but that's so valuable. And especially if people know what you want, it's amazing how they can help you find it. And then the other thing that I just, this is the woo woo part, but this idea that we don't see things until we're ready. Mm. And so I love that it, you know, this was this month's process of 
your team member making the comment to you that caused you to start doing some of the introspection. And because you had been doing some of the introspection, then talking with your mentor and them understanding who you were and what you were about now saying, I think you should go for this and you exploring, like, it's just interesting to see how the steps unfold in hindsight of like certain things kind of needed to happen in order for you to be open and ready for this opportunity. And to see it, especially considering this was somebody you'd worked with for a long time, but had not up until that point entertained even the concept of maybe working there one day. Didn't even know it was an option. (laughs) Didn't even know it was an option. And that's so amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I love what you're doing. And I think there's so many things that, you know, definitely I want to make sure people check out your profile because, you know, you, you aren't just a a sales trainer, you aren't just, you know, somebody who, who works with leader sales leaders and sales reps, but you're also, you're an advocate for women in sales, you know? So I think you're incredibly dynamic. We haven't even talked about you. You're a mother of a beautiful five and a half year old. Like you're so many things. So I think all the things that we didn't get to, like, you know, I always encourage people, if you feel this connection to Leslie, like reach out to her, <laughs> find a way that there's, you know, an opportunity for you guys to connect and interact. And maybe, maybe there's an opportunity to collaborate. So I want to close this with this last question. And it's always my favorite. And I, and it's starting to get to the point now where it feels almost silly to ask because so much is learned throughout the, the time together, but I ask it anyways, which is <laughs> <laughs> if there was one piece of advice that has served you really well up until this point in your career, or it could be something that you've learned along the way that for anyone listening, if there's one thing that they walk away with, no matter what, what would that be? What would you want them to know? Margaret, you asked me for one thing. And (laughs) I think by now, you know, I'm a little long-winded in my answers. So I'm just going to give you like maybe one and a half, two. I mean, we're going to, we're going to make it work. I I expect nothing less of a, of a a sales professional. I love it. Push the boundaries, right? Right. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to push the boundaries. The thing that echoes in my head day in and day out is how I feel like 90% of everything I do is made successful by managing people's expectations. If I could do, if like everyone could walk away with just one thing for me, and this is like the best advice I ever got was just focus on managing expectations. I use this in my personal life, in my professional life with myself, right? And just um, really setting up like, here's what's coming next. Let me paint this whole picture for you. And people know if you're not gonna respond, like if you don't respond for two days, if you tell someone that I'm going to get to you by Friday, that's fine. But if you just don't answer, then people get heated. Right. And I thinking about this in any sense of the word, like just managing expectations, managing expectations. And then the second piece you just hit on was the curiosity. I have never met a stranger. Like I'm the person who you sit next to me on an airplane and I am so sorry, but you're talking to me (laughs) where I'm going to, I'm going to hear about your entire family. (laughs) I'm going to hear about everything you do. And we're probably going to exchange LinkedIn information and I'm going to connect you to someone in some way, maybe, you know, like hopefully it's, it's serving for, for them as well. But I just, that curiosity and connection is what has served me well the whole way through asking more questions, being really interested in people's answers, Mm. not only helps you from a sales standpoint with clients, but also like in our friendships, in our business relationships, there's so many things by like, just asking one more question. Tell me more about that, Margaret. Isn't it that, that, that dose of curiosity? I mean, even the interview question of like, what are you, what makes you ask that? Yeah. Curious. Why stand out to you? Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. I really love that. I really love the curiosity. I love it. Like the managing expectations is, is so huge. And I would argue, manage your own expectations. You yes. get into hot water with yourself big time when you don't properly manage your own expectations. So yes. I love this whole idea about like by managing expectations, like things are, things run smoother. It definitely is 
it's made more successful because you do that. I love it. Oh, Leslie, this has been such a treat, such a joy. I'm so grateful that you are out there shaping the future of the sales workforce and helping team up with sales leaders. It just gives me such hope that they are getting to interact with you, learn from you, and you're just spreading all of this goodness across the industry. So thank you so much for being here and being on Rising Tide. It's just been such a treat. I feel the same way about you and everything you're doing. You're so inspiring. And thank you so much for inviting me. Throughout this entire conversation, I was so struck by Leslie's reflection, her thoughtfulness, and how she took all of those experiences early in her career to really help inform how she approaches decision-making today. I learned so much and she gave me so many nuggets to take away. I hope she and know she likely did the same for you. If you enjoy this conversation with Leslie or you are wanting to perhaps work with her, I've linked her contact information for you here. Please be sure to reach out, let her know your feedback on the podcast. And as always, if you love the podcast, would love it if you take a moment, drop us a quick review on wherever you get your podcast fix. I'm so grateful that you're here. I love having you in this community. Thank you so much for being a part of it. And until next week, keep rising.